Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You know, just because football season goes away after the fall every year, unfortunately, the Dunlap Champions Club does not, and we've told you this before, but it's a great event space that you should consider for your team, family, organization, whatever it is. Space, space, and more space. Anything from 10 to 15 people, or I'm told... As many as 800 can be accommodated. Uh, they, they've got space. They do. They've got uh, – if you've been in the Dunlap Champions Club, you know we're talking about the fourth floor and the sixth floor, really, of the University Center Club. But the fourth floor is 20,000 square feet, floor-to-ceiling windows, overlooks Bobby Bowden Field. They can set it, you know, whatever you want. Plated function, theater seating, cocktail reception. If you like uh, the terrace, the little outdoor and, – and actually – this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. I might not suggest it for late July, early but, August. But this time of year. This time of year, I think that's an option. Same thing up there. Cocktail reception. They'll set it however you want. Just consider it. It's uh, it, it really is a great space. I've, I've been to several functions there. I'd encourage you to do the same. 850-644-1830 for ticket information, or you can call and schedule a private tour. And now, without further ado... Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back again. How are you, Keith? I have uh, taken off my seat belt. I've undone my belt belt, and my shoes are off. I'm ready to take a nap. All right. Well. Because, you know, they told us that we needed to put our seat belt on and get ready because it was going to be a fast and up and down ride. And Here we are. Here we are. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. People are getting antsy. And you know what that means. You think we should? I mean, I have this little this sheet of paper that, that David Coburn gave me before i walked in you think i should just read off who the next head coach is or should we just make everybody wait i think i say wait wait yeah I say wait. that's what i figured too i got nothing nor do i <laughs> it's been pretty airtight I, is swalford running this thing it sounds, it sounds like something coming out of the acc office it's funny you say that the ninja so there's the same pool of names that keep getting mentioned you know right, four or right. five names so if it's not one of those four or five names, I'll be intrigued if at the end of the at the end of the day, it's not candidate one, two, three, four, or five that you thought it would be. It's this candidate over here that nobody's been talking about, who, by the way, is a pretty good football coach. Which it could well be. And that will not I mean, that will surprise me, but it won't surprise me. And the reason I say that is just because of the respect I have for A. D. Coburn. I mean, he he's been in the legislative loop for thirty plus years as a staff person. And that means he has a bunch of information that he not only can't tell his bosses because his two bosses may be, you know, a Dem and a, and a D and an R on a committee. He can't tell his wife. He can't tell anybody. Right. And playing that close to the vest, it, it would not surprise me if there was a candidate six, whatever, that comes out of nowhere, and we all sit back and go, you know, somebody did their homework. That's a good pick. I don't have issues with any of the names that have been circulated either, and I think the only thing that bothers me is I think as time goes on, and I think we're now to the point where it will be literally the end of the month or that Sunday or Monday, 1st or 2nd of December, that the longer it goes, the more momentum there is for Odell. 
and and we've talked about this. Oh my gosh, what happens if Florida State wins the Florida game? And I just have mixed feelings on whether that's the best short term, long term, or other solution. I don't think it will be Odell. I think if the Florida I didn't say game, it would be Odell, I said the momentum would ramp well, up. Well, more people talk about it. I think the reality is you're in a situation now where you're looking for a sitting head coach. You can't really talk to a sitting head coach until their season ends. So that leaves Sunday, December first, is the day that. You've done all this homework, and here's your top guy or top two or three guys, and you go talk to them that day and figure out who it's going to be. And if it's not choice A at that point, you choice B comes in, and then you make an announcement You know, the first part of that week. That's the way I think it would go. I think if it gets to Odell, two things would have had to have happened. One, all those other choices, whoever they were, said no. And two, the Florida game had to at least be respectable. Agreed. What did you make of the announcement and then the – declining of the announcement about South Carolina reaching out to Florida State uh, about how they handled Taggart's buyout. I'm one of the ones that said that doesn't spell niceties for Muschamp because they're figuring out how to get rid of him. And then all of a sudden, here come these people that South Carolina is going to hire Taggart. And then they say, no, the meeting didn't take place and there was no conversation. The biggest takeaway I had from that is that Muschamp is on very thin ice. I would think so. Because the president, A, already admitted they're having conversations about how to buy him out and then doubled down and went back and said, well, that's not really what we said. But, you know, if things went really bad next week, then we would have to look at getting rid of him. That's more or less what he said. (laughs) You know. And, oh, by the way, someone confirmed that Dion will be named a new head coach. I don't think it'll be Dion. Nor do I. Who do you think it will be? I've asked you this question every time I've seen you for the last two weeks. If Florida State beats Florida, I think the pressure for Odell might be something that that Coburn and Thrasher really look at hard. Otherwise, of the all of the other guys that have been mentioned, the one that I I know something about is Franklin. And obviously they've got a huge game coming up, Penn State does, this weekend. And if they beat Ohio State and get into the Big Ten, Big 12, Big 14, whatever that conference is these days, championship <laughs> game, um, you're going to probably see Penn State double down on him. And, and I'm, I'm like you. I'm beginning in the back of my mind wondering, is everybody we ask going to end up saying no not because Florida State isn't where they want to be, but because where they're at created an opportunity that didn't make sense to walk away from, i.e. Fleck, possibly Franklin, blah, 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 uh, which is why I am glad I am not making this decision. Yeah. I, I, the one thing that I think we'll all be able to say when the hire is made, now we won't know if it's a successful choice until next year and the year after, but I don't. Oh, think I thought we we're going to measure in five games now instead of twenty-one. Well, people will measure in five seconds after the announcement's made because <laughs> at this point, since it's not stoops, apparently, a lot of people are going to you know people are going to be split. There's going to be D's and R's here about about whether it was a good choice or not. We're not going to ultimately know until they play some games. But you're not going to be able to say that Florida State didn't do its homework. I mean, last time out they went and got Taggart in four days, and I really don't know how much. There's always this talk that ads have a list of who they're going to go to. They might have had a list, but I don't know how much homework you've really done until it's Friday before that Louisiana Monroe makeup game or whatever, and lo and behold, uh, Jimbo's no longer here, and you realize you better start flying around the country and find somebody. Exactly, exactly. 
I know one thing. It's not me. What do you think about – so Matt Campbell is the hot name at Iowa State. He's done great things, but it's been at Toledo and Iowa State and before that Bowling Green. He brought his staff with him from Toledo to Iowa State, which would lead one to believe he'd probably bring a lot of staff from Iowa State to here. So it, so if you are a Bryles fan or, or a so-and-so fan, you got to let the head coach make those decisions, right? You do. My bigger concern there is – do you not have to force and, – and maybe if he's coming here, the reality is if it was Matt Campbell or whoever, some of his existing coaches would come. Some would stay where they are because they stand to be promoted. They might even be the head coach. Same thing happened when Taggart came here. Some of his coaches didn't come because they were in the well, running to be head let's coach. let's be fair. That's probably the first of many unfortunate things that was part of Taggart's downfall. He expected Cristobal and, and, and uh, Levitt to be his coordinators in Tallahassee in 2018 and it, it didn't happen right it just didn't happen yeah that in the early signing period really cost him no what i was saying more is so if you look at like urban meyer you know urban came from utah had never been at a big level conference if you i don't even know utah wasn't even a in the pac-12 at that point i don't think so but he had spent five years at Notre Dame as, a, as an assistant. He had been at Ohio State. He had been in that atmosphere. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, has nobody on his staff has been in that atmosphere at all. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they're such good X's and O's guys that you just don't know. Nope, you don't know. So speaking of, of Urban, this is something the Florida State fans don't want to hear because we all think that the FSU job is the best job ever. I mean, Florida's since Spurrier, Florida's hired Ron Zook. Didn't work well. Then they hired the Utah coach, who worked well. They hired the Colorado State coach, and they hired the Mississippi State coach. So it's not like Florida went out there with its deep pockets and they got USC or Notre Dame or Nick Saban from Alabama. I mean, just think about where they landed on their searches. And two of those three, well, three of those four did not work out well. Well, two, two of the, the four two hasn't of the worked four. out, and the one, one, one Yeah, Mullen, it would appear that Mullen's working yeah, out. So two of the four. Thank you. So that's still fifty percent. Yeah, we don't have any news. I think it'll be the first week of December. We'll hear an announcement, and some people like it, some people won't. We'll go from there. Hmm. You've gotten much more. Fill in the blank. People are starting to worry because of recruiting, and that's the thing I could care less about. Well, from the standpoint that if you have to wait till December tenth because you hire Brent Venables, then do it. And if you lose half your recruiting class, have confidence that he's going to come in and be the guy. You've you've made that point from the early, and, and I didn't know that I would wholeheartedly agree with you, and I'm easing towards about 90 92% agreeing with you. And, and when you do stack it up that way, do you wait a few days? Because when is the signing period? Date through the 12th or, of December? No, no, no. It's like December 20th or something like that. It's that right late? before Christmas, yeah. yeah. But it, my point is it's three or four days or five yeah. days, whatever it is. And do you sacrifice days to make the best long-term years decision and and basically sacrifice the 2020 recruiting class in order to get the decision right? You know, if you had to pick just between those two, you would pick getting the decision right, not saving the 2020 recruiting class. Because, again, if you get a good coach, and, and we haven't talked much about this, but, I mean, it's been a while because of the changes and because of things that have happened. It's been a while 
where you could look at any of Florida State's recruiting classes in the last five to seven years, maybe six years, and say that those that had upward potential got developed. There's been very little development of football players in this program in the last fill-in-the-blank of years because of the turnover and the lack of attention and everything. So maybe a new coach comes in and gets some three stars instead of four stars but develops them into better football players than the four stars would be. I'd, I'd like to see that happen too, wouldn't you? We don't have to have a stars conversation, but yes. I would just come in. I mean, if you you only got ten kids that stick with you or five or whatever, I would just say I'm thrilled to be here at Florida State. We're going to win more championships here. And by the way, the transfer portal is open, and we need about 12 starters. So give me a call. Let's get rolling with them. I mean, they'll find some players. All right, dueling pianos this Saturday at uh, Madison Social or Township. Actually, you want to go dueling or blazing? Uh, this is dueling okay. pianos because when they get real hot, they get to blazing. Yes, eight o'clock at uh, Township on uh, Saturday night. I might. I might. By the way, Madison Social is open uh, even on Thanksgiving night. I don't think they're serving food, but uh, if you're looking for an after dinner drink or twelve, they'll be there to to meet your needs. Drink or twelve? Yes. That'll go good with whatever that thing in Turkey is. Well, sometimes it's too much time with the family, you know? <laughs> so you might need that at that point. Excuse me. I, I need a break. You know what we're going to do since we have no answers on this football front? What are we going to do? We're going to talk to our baseball coach. Let's go. We there back. we go. Mike Martin like Jr. on the show next when we roll on with Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. We'll open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together, and say hello to friend of program, Mike Martin, Jr. Meet, how are you, sir? I'm good, Tom. Everything's good, thanks. Excellent. Could you tell us who our next football coach is going to be? Just I know that word circulated around the athletics department, and our listeners want to know. I've got absolutely nothing. Okay. And, and it's really <laughs> you... rare for me to have nothing, and I'm actually really frustrated because I want to know, too. Well, you fit right in with the talent on this program because we got nothing either. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I literally, people calling me, texting me, and everybody's, I, you've always got something. I'm like, I got nothing. I, I don't know what's going on and what the plan is, but uh, uh, they'll figure it out. Well, the good news for you is they're so busy looking for a football coach that you can do what you want over in baseball right now, right? So, I mean, you got that yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just go around tearing up fields and stuff, doing whatever we want to do. But, um, <laughs> no, we're, we're books and bodies right now. That's the main focus. Uh, we got through the fall ball and we got to make sure we do our job in the classroom and uh, get those bodies strong as well. How was fall ball? It was good. Um, you know, we had a, picked a great month, uh, you know, to not worry about rains. I don't think it rained in October, but um, we went through the whole month, you know, played some squad games, uh, played some NCAA allowed, um, basically inter-squad games with other teams. Uh, we played JU and um, – State College of Florida, uh, Manatee, I still call them Manatee, Junior College. That's where I went to school for a year. But um, we did that one because they had a bunch of good players. Uh, we gobbled up a couple of their players. Um, you know, so we used that one kind of as a recruiting. And then the game against JU was, you know, towards basically wrapped us up in the fall. 
meet talk about some of the names that our listeners would be familiar with and, and, and what they were working on in the fall? Um, C.J. Van Eyck has really pushed himself up high on the draft board. Of course, the pro guys are always scouting guys, whether it's fall or spring. And, um, you know, he's, he's working on a slider that's a really, really good pitch. Um, and he's been up to 98. Um, the, the biggest jump I've seen in a guy – yeah, from a pitching standpoint, in all my years, whatever year this is for me, uh, you'll see is Shane Drohan. Uh, Drow had some moments last year which he was effective, but for the most part, it was pretty, you know, disappointing. It wasn't enough strikes. Um, he'd make some bad pitches in critical times, and um, he was absolutely dominant this fall. And um, Jimmy Bellinger, our pitching coach, has done a great job with him. He sped his legs up, his tempo, and everything. And next thing you know, he's you know, one of the highest strike percentage guys of the whole fall. And, um, you know, it's really, I mean, they're talking about him being a first rounder as well. Wow. Wow. So that's two thirds of your rotation is Connor Grady, the other one. Is that what you're looking Correct. at? Yeah. And then Connor, you know, does this thing. He's steady Eddie, uh, working on change ups to right handed hitters. Uh, he's got to perfect that because it's a, a devastating pitch when you can do that because the young hitters, they don't, they've never seen that. You know, left on left change ups and right on right change ups. They just hasn't seen it. So, uh, and the pitch is easy on the arm, and, you know, it's easier to get a called strike with it. It's, um, you know, something we've really tried to establish this fall with our pitchers. Is that change up for strikes. What about offensively in terms of the bats? Uh, I know, I guess, Reese is still coming back from uh, from injury, but you got some other guys. Uh, well, you, you know, Elijah, I know he struggled last year, but then you had Robbie Martin. I mean, just kind of give us a thumbnail on some of those guys and the new faces. Yeah, there, there's going to be some new guys in a, in a few spots. Uh, Cooper Swanson probably had the best ball um, offensively. Uh, and we're not right now. We're going to get better. Um, and we don't spend a lot of time, you know, working on that. We implement the team stuff and, you know, defensive stuff. And, um, you know, the pitchers are always ahead of the hitters. And so it's just one of those things. We, we, change, we change it when we get to the springtime. We'll get into more of the – offensive side but um but we're not going to be that type of team where we're you know 08 and you know doing crazy things with the bats we're, we're just we don't have the, the personnel and um you know we're working on it but uh cabell's doing his thing had a very good fall uh robbie same thing robbie can flat out hit nelly was nelly behind the plate um carter smith played well um but we got to find a second baseman and a third baseman is the is the plan Meet how much I mean it's always been the need to get players in and to develop them, uh, but when you're balancing that great talent that you might lose to 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 the bigs versus a, a guy that needs two or three years, I mean has that has that delicate balance changed any in the last five to ten years or is it still the same problem? It's it's still the same. You know the money's gotten bigger. Um, the only I guess it has favored us because the numbers the more years that go by the numbers figure out what is best for high school kids, you know, whether to go into professional baseball or to go to college in order to get the real money, which is a contract, you know, uh, to get to arbitration. And um, it's over well over, it's almost 67% of the kids that are the players that get to arbitration and make the real money went to college. And uh, we've been saying that for years and now they start keeping track of it. And you watch any of the postseason games i mean they're all from college and um, they're more mature they're ready for that um and it does help us i think more kids are starting to see that and the parents are starting to see that and that that bodes well for us but it's still hard to 
you know, like left-handed pitching, it's really hard to keep good left-handers because that's a hot commodity in professional baseball and baseball in general. They're hard to find. Well, my partner Tom keeps taking that glove off of Nolan's hand and putting it on the other one, (laughs) trying to get that left-handed going. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I feel like somewhere there's a picture of uh, Randy Choate just smoking a cigar for however many years he pitched and how few. In- I mean, how many batters did he face? He, he has to have had the longest career facing the fewest batters. The batter. No, he does. He's in the record book. Is he really? Oh yeah, pitches per uh, pitches per plate appearance, most fewest innings versus you know compared with appearances. I mean, he'd come in and get one hitter out, and you're right, then go inside and start drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> I said smoking a cigar. I don't really know Randy that well, so I don't know if either of those are his vices. But man, he he made it for lefties. Hey, how oh, has yeah. it how has 15, it been? Years. How has it been integrating the new assistants in? I mean, I, I know you knew these guys. Obviously, you hired them, so philosophically, you knew you guys were aligned to some degree. But uh, that's that's different than when you're all in the same clubhouse, so to speak. So so give us a little uh, idea of how you guys have blended together so far. Yeah, it's been really good and um, far exceeded exceeded my, you know, what I was thinking the way it was going to be. You know, I knew Mike Metcalf, um, you know, a long time cross checker with the Giants, and uh, but I really didn't know Jimmy. I remember Jimmy from when he was at Maryland, and those guys, you know, he was running out against us. They were going to Super Regionals at Maryland, um, and then he went to Kentucky and had a couple of good years, and then uh, whatever you know happened there, and. Um, so I really didn't know him, and, and you always worry about that, just camaraderie and teamwork and everybody being on the same page. And when I went through the interviewing process of, you know, candidates and uh, John Sheff from Virginia Tech and uh, Dan McDonald at Louisville are calling and saying, look, you know, Jimmy Bellinger's your guy. Uh, you know, if we did. We hit it off. He thinks the way I think when it comes to pitching. And, you know, the way he goes about his business, he's not going to berate guys and demean them and you know cuss at them and you know but he's really really good both of them are really really good at what they're doing tell us about uh, your most recent signing class how'd you fare yeah we did well um that group a versatile group um you know we felt like we need again it's so hard with 11.7 the versatility when you run in whatever it was two years ago when we constantly got guys hurt and you know you better have some guys that can bounce to different spots and we feel like we did that uh, you know, Mike Metcalf is our recruiting coordinator. Um, he's like I am. He likes athletic guys. Uh, the pro guys are always chasing those guys that project and can run and throw. And, just you know, they're not just John Crook type, you know, players. They're just one-dimensional bat guys. So we got a nice blend of everything. We're excited about it. We'll sprinkle in some uh, junior college guys in the spring, um, you know, to fill some holes. And if you're getting close to the draft and you're hearing – you know, legitimate stuff from cross checkers or GMs that, you know, hey, this guy's going to be, you know, a kid you got down in Tampa is going to be a third rounder. Then you start replacing those guys with junior college guys. Do you have uh, better intel on that now since since Metcalf is now on your staff as tied in? Oh, yeah. Is? Yeah. Yeah. We, we've, we've turned the tide. Everybody loves Mike and respects Mike. And, um, you know, so we're, we're starting to get those first calls. Hey, it's all such and such. Uh, and there's, I got a freshman on that team and wow, is he, you know, so we're getting those early calls and, um, it, it's really, really helping because our 21, 22 and 23 classes are, uh, are big time. Meet the schedule was released, uh, I guess a week or so ago. Uh, what, what's new or different about it that's got your print on it and, and where are you trying to go and what, try, what are you trying to accomplish with the schedule? 
Well, we it was hard. Basically, the schedule was done. Um, you know, before I got the job, eleven had it done. Um, I did change uh, a couple things. Um, the second to last weekend of the year. Uh, right now, we have as an open weekend. We were supposed to play Grambling. Um, I didn't see the benefit. I didn't want to do it. I've always said uh, I think it's important for guys to be fresh for that stretch run. Um, so, again, if we get a bunch of rain outs, then we will play that weekend. But if we don't, we're going to leave it open and you know, send the guys off for a few days when we'll come back and work and then take off to Clemson. Um, and the other thing was Tim Tadlock got in a pinch. Somebody dropped him late, and he wanted to play. And I said, well, you know, this is typical Midwest stuff. But he's like, well, let us jump in with that third weekend with FAU. I said, what are you talking about, Tim? Jump in. He's like, oh, well, we do it all the time. You know, you won't play, just let us come on and we'll play them and then play y'all. And we'll just play like a little round robin and just go. And I'm like, well, let me call Mac down at FAU. I called him. He's like, I don't care. So we're going to play a little round robin that third weekend of the year. And, um, you know, anytime you play a top 10 team, that's beneficial. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. What else? Yeah. Uh, you know, last time we talked to you, I think it was uh, you, you were probably, matter of fact, you were. You were on the uh, summer baseball circuit. You might have been in Atlanta at that time, but but eleven had not moved his stuff out of uh, out of your <laughs> office yet. So has that happened? I mean, have you forced him to come by and grab some of that stuff yet? Uh, no, it still hasn't. I'm I'm actually in the office right now, and I'm looking around, and there's about I'd say one fifth of the stuff in here is mine. And um, you know, there's he's got a heater in here, guys, that I promised was made in the '60s. Um, it still works, but it literally looks the, the looks like the pilgrims made it um, Let, let's have a yard sale or something <laughs> oh, talking got about raising money here. earlier we waste we'll just raise some funds <laughs> yeah he's got some stuff in here. it's got some value too um he needs to do like a you know i love me room at his house you know kind of like a man cave or something you know what my kids call mine they call, well, they, call the, they call it the ego room yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but he won't do it now, i don't know if his mom not allowing him to do it or what but um it's, it's a little bit cluttered in here <laughs> well it's payback meat because i'm sure when you left the house whenever he finally you know he and carol <laughs> finally got you out i'm sure you left a bunch of stuff that's still sitting there so he's paying you back yeah you're, you're probably right because i do recall leaving quite a, quite a bunch <laughs> of stuff around and uh, i wasn't the, the cleanest guy in the world that's for sure <laughs> hey meat i'm glad you're uh settling in sounds like things are good i i, I suppose there's a little downtime coming up maybe for you now that you're through fall ball i can't remember yeah, what was, yeah. we got to get through this you know the grades uh once the basically when the kids go back home from christmas break then we we get a break and then we'll have a prospect camp right after christmas and uh then january will be here before you know and then we're cranking and banking from there Sounds good. Hey, do us a favor when when they call you to to, to announce who the football coach is, just just call us so we can get that word so out. So we'll there. know. Yeah. <laughs> you got right, that's a deal. <laughs> All right. Mike Martin Jr., thanks, Meet. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Head baseball. Still seems strange to say head baseball coach, Mike Martin Jr. But, it? but it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it? yeah. I and mean, it's just natural. I, I I you know, again, with everything that's going on with the football side of it. That decision, in my mind, and we talked about it, was a very easy decision. And I think what made it then become easy for for A.D. Coburn and Thrasher is what Meat did in that interview on Friday, uh, because he had a very and has a very clear plan about what he wants to continue that eleven put in place, which is great. 
but he's been around long enough to know what he wants to changes and he, the changes he wants to make and has very definitive ideas about those. And those two guys he's got uh, coming in, I, d- I didn't know either one of them. I've just read about it. But anybody you talk to uh, will tell you that those two guys are first-class guys. He, he hit it out of the ballpark with his assistants to begin with. Look forward to the to the new era, if you will, which will still be the Mike Martin era. It'll just be the Mike Martin Jr. Well, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance, Tommy, that the games may be about a minute and a half to two minutes shorter. Because he can get to the mound more quickly? No. Well, oh. that too. But uh, because, you know, they won't be taking first strikes on every batter like they used oh, to. Oh, you uh, wanted to get into that whole uh, philosophical discussion. All right. I'm going to save that one for the spring. I thought you were just implying meat can get out to the mound a little quicker. I wasn't going, I wasn't going to be bad on 11, but, yeah, he probably can get out there a little faster. We'll take a break, get back to uh, football when our Osceola insider joins us next here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. We are back on Front Row Knowles, and we will uh, open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline once again to say hello to our Osceola insider, this week, it's Patrick Burnham. It's a mystery every week. Who are we going to get from the Osceola? Pat, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all? Don't tell anybody, but we like Pat best. Well, what I'm, what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm curious about, if it's really like a short straw conversation, when they're like, who wants to do the show this week? Oh, I got stuck with it. Pat, well, um, there, go ahead. There's less to talk about this. Well, there's, not, there's always enough to talk about, but the open week there was, who's going to go on open weeks? <laughs> I like our chances this week against open week. I mean, I feel pretty good about it. We've had it. a good record against open week. Yeah, we've been, we've been pretty solid. Well, that oh, obvi- we've had a good record the last two weeks. We have. We have. So how much, if you're going to start there, and we'll start on the field, and I realize Florida week is next week, but how much to you as a football aficionado and a coach's son and somebody who's been involved in it, how much – improvement or, or or what do you see in terms of Odell putting his fingerprints on the program in the two weeks he's been the interim coach? Well, I think you've definitely seen some things on the field as far as uh, some very simple things, but I think they're very big things. You know, uh, you know, I think he's uh, there's some discipline. I saw him getting on some coaches for arguing calls on the field, you know, making sure they stayed in the coach's box. Uh, the team does not seem to be as chatty with their opponents as they have been in the past. Uh, I have talked to some people that have been to practice, and they think that there's uh, more structure in the practices. They've been to practices under Coach Taggart and under Coach Haggins, and they seem to feel like there's more structure, uh, you know, in Odell's practices, uh, that he's not taking any uh, guff from the kids or any of the coaches, that it's, a, you know, it's more in line with what I guess uh, I'm used to seeing at a football practice. I think that. Uh, still playing some music, but it's not being played uh, during uh, individual or team drills. It's maybe some some specialty and pre-practice type stuff. So there's some things, some some small things that, you know, matter. As you guys well know, in football, there's a lot of little things that uh, make a big thing. And, uh, you know, I think there's some things that you see uh, from that regard that are certainly different. How legitimate is his candidacy to be the head coach? 
Well, you know, I think Odell's got a shot. Uh, the report's going out that uh, he interviewed on Sunday. And, you know, he has righted the ship two times in three years for Florida State, uh, gotten them into bowl games. Uh, you know, the longer this thing plays out, the, the greater chance I think that Odell has a, shot, a legitimate shot at getting the job. Uh, my understanding is that he is a very legitimate candidate. Uh, obviously, uh, Florida State took a big swing with Bob Stoops, and uh, credit to them for going after uh, a guy with a you know great track record in national championship. But I certainly think Odell is a viable candidate. What's the downside? Never done the job before. Uh, you know, you know, uh, has you know how much of a how long has he planned for this moment? Uh, you know, does he know who his on the field staff would be, off the field staff? But uh, you know, I I don't you know inexperience would be the downside. Uh, you know, just like we've heard with uh, college coordinators may or may not be considered for the, this job for the same reason. Uh, but certainly, he has a knowledge of the inner workings of what's gone on at Florida State over the last thirty years and what's been successful for this program and what hasn't, and uh, you know what works internally and externally, and what transfers over to the football field from the practice field. So. Uh, you know, I think there's some things that he does bring to the table that maybe some of the other candidates don't. And I think that is part of what, you know, Coburn and Thrasher and whoever, you know, are going to have to evaluate. He he knows we we had Mike Martin Jr. on the previous segment. After being the assistant for so long in a single place, you know how one guy's done it. In Nodell's case, it's two guys, now three with Taggart and with Bobby and, and, and Jimbo before him. And he knows the lay of the land much better than anybody else that you bring in. And I don't, I don't know in an evaluation which one of those is is the best. I, I guess it depends on the individual, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, uh, you know, I think if uh, Odell could put the right staff together, and obviously, uh, it sounds like he's got the support and the respect of the players. And you know, I think that's got to mean something. Uh, and uh, but obviously, this is a big decision for Florida State. It's a business decision, and you know Odell has done an outstanding job for Florida State throughout the entirety of his career, whether it's a player, as assistant coach, or interim head coach. He's always come through for Florida State, and you know I think there's some uh, reason. I think that's why he's a viable candidate. Uh, and but you know, you know obviously uh, this thing will play itself out. And uh, but Odell certainly has a ground well from the FSU fans and boosters. This won't impact whether or not he gets the job, but I do wonder if he would still have the general enjoyment of his day-to-day job if he was the head coach. I mean, he goes and works with 10 guys, and he enjoys that relationship. And when you get to be the boss, now you're dealing with, you know, he's not just dealing with his 10 guys and who missed class or who got in trouble. Now he's dealing with 85 guys, and he's trying to keep coaches happy. And it just... You you have to appreciate everything else that goes. Yes, you get you know you're, you're, you're compensated. You're compensated. Your pictures on the front page of the paper. You 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 know you coached them to the to the victory, but you also coached them to the loss, so to speak. I just you know two years from now, Florida State's winning games and he's the coach. I wonder if he truly would enjoy the day to day the way he has as a defensive line defensive tackle coach. What do you think? Well, there are there's a lot that goes with being the head coach. Uh, obviously, there's the things everybody knows about the the fame and the money, uh, but there's also uh, a lot of problem solving uh, internally. Uh, how do you address discipline issues with your kids? Uh, you want to get that call at 2 o'clock in the morning if somebody's in trouble. 
Uh, you know, you've got the transfer portal that you have to take into consideration now, uh, things that you didn't have to uh, even three year, two and three years ago. Uh, so there are a million little things that happen on a daily basis uh, at, that you're responsible for as a head coach that you aren't responsible for as an assistant coach. Uh, you know, you're responsible for 130 kids that are on your team and every minute of their day from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed, uh, whether it's academically, athletically, socially, uh, spiritually. Uh, there's a lot to consider. Uh, and, it, you know, there's a, there's a reason these guys start going gray and losing their hair when they become head coaches. Uh, you know, there's a lot more, you know, to who much is given, much is expected. And that's certainly true of a, a major college head coach or really any head coach. We're talking with Patrick Burnham from the Osceola. All right, Pat, we know, I mean, it's the same five or six names that keep getting thrown out there. So uh, as as we sit here right now, two-part two, two part question. One, when do you think there'll be an announcement? I mean, these are, these are you know, very easy questions. When will they announce and who will it be? <laughs> Other than that, Pat, you're not very much good to us. Yeah. Well, it, they'll, they'll, they'll announce someone in December. <laughs> okay, yeah, and that's fair. It'll, it'll be, and I think they'll get, get, that, get themselves a really good football coach. Uh, you know, I don't – you know, it seems like there's a lot more questions out there now than there were a week ago uh, when, you know, you heard a lot of rumors about Bob Stoops is definitely our guy. And, you know, listen, these guys, you know, Florida State's relatively new to the head coaching search thing. They haven't had to do it a whole lot in the history of, uh, in any way, my lifetime, or at least since I was 15 years old or six years old, whenever Coach Bowden came to town. Uh, you know, typically college football coaching searches don't happen as quickly as it did the last time Florida State was in the market for a head coach. You know, uh, you heard Willie's name uh, right after Jimbo left, and I believe within two weeks they had a head coach. I believe I don't remember the exact date. Oh, it was like Willie four days. It was like four days or five days they had him. Yeah, that that's atypical of a college football coaching search. They generally drag on for four to six weeks, depending on when the head coach is let go. Uh, you know, obviously there's a impetus to get this done because of the early signing period. But, you know, listen, two years ago, and I, and I, don't, I hope I'm not repeating myself. I've used this from uh, this example of some other shows. But, you know, two years ago uh, when Florida got rid of McElwain, all you heard was Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly for three to four weeks. You know, Chip Kelly was the guy. He was the one and only guy. Then, then if it wasn't him, it was Scott Frost. Never did you hear Dan Mullen's name, at least, Social media, fan-wise, it was all, you know, so typically it's never the first guy, right? I mean, you know, sometimes you do land that top target. Uh, but, you know, these things have a way of playing themselves out. And, you know, we're st- kind of starting to see that with Florida State. For a week and a half, it was all Bob Stoops. Even this weekend at the game, I heard a story that he was going to be announced on Tuesday, which none of that ever really made sense. But anyway... Uh, these things have you generally take a life of their own, take on a life of their own, and Florida State is certainly finding that out this this offseason. I did find it curious when Stoops was on the sideline last week, but man, that was just me. I guess most people didn't see him there. Um, that's a joke, <laughs> folks. For people just tuning in, that that's a joke. Said he was at mom and pop having an Italian dinner, so <laughs> he was everywhere. To, to the point you just made about how Dan Mullen was not on the list of names. I mean, basically the names that are out there now that we're past Stoops. It's P.J. Fleck, Matt Campbell, Brett Venables, James Franklin, Mark Richt. Have I left anybody out, Keith? Odell. Odell. So what what do you think the chances are that it'll end up being somebody not from those names that I just mentioned? 
Well, you know, I've, I've had, you know, I have a source that's telling me a guy like Matt Campbell would prefer to, uh, if, he, if he ever moves on from Iowa State, would prefer a more prestigious job in the Big Ten or Big 12 that he feels like he's a Midwest guy. Uh, now, listen, money changes everything, right? Florida State goes in with the right offer. Uh, Florida, just the name itself, is going to get some guys to listen. Uh, so, um, you know, I think there's a good chance it's not off that list. You know, we talked about P.J. Fleck before we got on here. You know, P.J. has signed his con- – we we believe has signed his extension at Minnesota. The big question is, is when does that $10 million buyout go into effect? Without seeing the contract, we don't know that, but we have reason to believe that that contract has been signed. So there are some things that make me believe that we could go continue to go on down the list. Uh based on what I'm hearing in college football circles. But as I told you guys, these are more uh, educated conversations than they are concrete. I, you know, but, you know, I feel pretty good about uh, the information I have on Coach Campbell. But, you know, it's, 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 but like I said, things could change. These, these are fluid situations. But I think that you could very easily see them. Uh, you know, my understanding is that they've reached out to Coach Rick. Uh, you know, whether that was uh, – trying to get advice from him on who the next head coach could be or gauging his interest. I'm not sure uh, which of those two it was, but certainly you're starting to hear some names that you were not hearing last week. All right, well, let's get out of the speculation game because that's all any of us have done for two and a half weeks. On the field, Jim Levitt's now an assistant. Mario Edwards is now an assistant. David Kelly's gone. Uh, were you surprised about any of that? Just tell us you know, how much, how integral now are Levitt and, and Edwards to what's going on at practice? Well, no, I think uh, adding Coach Levitt to the field was the logical thing to do when all this came up, uh, you know, the day Odell gave his opening press conference as an interim head coach. You know, they there was some big mystery as to who it was going to be. You know, they said, hey, we're going to go back and meet on it. But I don't think, you know, listen, Jim was the logical choice. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. Uh, he's, you know, been a defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach. Uh, certainly uh, has a lot of knowledge, whether it's a 3-4 or a 4-3 defense. He's worked in both, and he, uh, so he can obviously help Odell out, not only on the defensive side of the ball, but with the day-to-day operation of the program. If he needs somebody to you know, lean on. And, of course, you know, I talked to Leonard Warner and, you know, he, yesterday uh, at, the press, at his press conference where they had some players available to us. And, you know, he mentioned that Coach Levin has certainly gotten more involved since he's been named an on-the-field coach and has helped him with some very simple things that are making him a better football player, like how to, you know, what his football stance needs to be in, you know, what the proper steps to take. Um, schematically, you know, they ran a lot of 4-3 stuff against Boston College, a lot more four-man front, which is more Coach Barnett's deal. But, um, you know, Coach Levitt has coached in it, uh, coached in a 4-3 before. So I think you can't understate uh, the value he brings to uh, Odell and the interim capacity and the knowledge that he brings to that defensive staff. Pat, we appreciate the knowledge that you bring to our show uh, each and every week, or at least, at least when Bob and Jerry will let you come on. So, uh... <laughs> well, you know, Jerry's a good talker, and uh, he's a great storyteller, so I don't blame you guys for having him when he's willing to come on. <laughs> All right, we'll catch up with you soon. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great one. Thanks, Pat. Our Osceola insider, Patrick Burnham. You can subscribe online at theosceola.com, $6.95 a month or $74.95 annually. He talks about Jerry being a great storyteller. There's a terrific article on the Osceola right now uh, about Steve Ellis, who uh, we all knew in the in the sports community. And if you've been a long time 
FSU fan, you read an awful lot of Steve Ellis before he passed uh, 10 years ago, and that was the genesis of this article. It's the 10-year anniversary of his, of his passing, and they're trying to raise more funds for a scholarship that's uh, been created and endowed in his name in the College of Communication and Information. So uh, I won't go much deeper than simply to say, uh, if interested, when you see me, let me know. You can go on to spark.fsu.edu, spark.fsu.edu, and search Steve Ellis if you, if you want to make a contribution there which many in the in the sports field have done, but but many others who I, I know are just FSU fans that, that miss his work. Ellis, uh, I was sitting by Ellis under one of the fall media days uh, when Coach Bowden was still uh, coaching. And Coach was sitting downstairs, and uh, Ellis sat down beside me up in the, in the seats. And he goes, um, you know, Coach has diabetes. I said, yeah, I know that. He says, I have diabetes. I said, oh, I wasn't aware of that. He says, yeah. He says, um, pay attention moving forward. You'll know when Coach Bowden's diabetes gets worse because uh, he'll start wearing socks. And I looked down there, and Coach Bowden didn't have socks on. He just had his tennis shoes on. And he said that's the first one of the first signs that you'll know Coach Bowden doesn't have his diabetes in control. And and about four or five years after that, you'd saw you see Coach wearing it got it got a little bit worse, and then there was a story he had to change some things. And when we were visiting with him a couple of weeks ago, you know he brought up that you know he right. has to battle that. But Ellis, I was able to pick that out, you know, way before because of his, uh, you know, for him being diagnosed, and that's that's just the way he was as a reporter. He would see things that nobody else would see. If Steve was alive today, he would have already broken news about who the head coach is. He probably would have uh, guided the conversation. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) All right, we'll continue our conversation. One last segment to go on Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Last segment of Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. Keith, we haven't even talked about basketball, which is going on as we speak right now. So you're really talented to be here and courtside at the Tucker Center at the same time. It's amazing what technology and teleporting will allow you to do. Any uh, thoughts about the hoops team? Uh, Upside is big. Haven't even seen uh, Osborne, I mean, um, uh, Raekwon um, Evans Evans play. Uh, You saw a little bit about what Osborne can do. Uh, Nate, hadn't seen a lot of him yet. Uh, the big guys have had some foul trouble, unfortunately. They've got to learn to play without that. Uh, disappointing, continue to be disappointed that they just didn't get focused enough against Pitt because that, that win at Florida and now this four-game home streak, which they started earlier uh, and continue tonight, uh, they're going to have an opportunity to get into the rotation some. Uh, I, I, I like everything about this squad, and probably the biggest thing I like is Coach Ham's demeanor. Because he's real happy with this squad, and it takes a lot to make him happy this early in the season. Well, he'd like to have his all his parts, and he doesn't have close to all of them right now. So, hopefully, they can weather this for the next few weeks, and uh, we'll be with them in uh, Destin. They play Tennessee. That'll be the next big. That'll test. That'll be a big test. It surely will. Yeah. Would you like to? I would. Fire do, away. Do you have a do-it-yourself project? Have you started on your do-it-yourself? Projects? I got a long list. 
Well, if I keep crossing it out and putting another date next to it. If our listeners have a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can reach them by phone at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. The answer to we, who's going to be the next head coach we don't have, but the answer is – if you have a do-it-yourself project, you do know how to, who to go see. All right. Yeah, we didn't get any breaking news about who the coach is while we were sitting here, so I don't know what other conjecture we can add. Well, remember, Pat, and he knows everything, said it'll be 1st of December. So everything between now and then is simply conjecture. Well, it would stand to reason that you're not going to announce it. At this point, if Stoops is off the table, who are you going to announce between now and the end of the regular season? Somebody going to fly down here and do a press conference when they're still coaching elsewhere? You know, I think back, and we've forgotten that the the year in 2012, uh, Fisher lost six assistant coaches. Was it 12 or 11? It was after 12, I think. 12. Six of them were gone. And then you had to make the choices about who's going to stay and who are you going to move up. And I remember you and I commenting, we we even mentioned this earlier this year, about D.J. Elliott stepping in and, and, and how professional he was in handling the defense uh, when they were playing Northern Illinois in, in that in that Orange Bowl game, and so you also got that once the announcements made, what what do you do with the assistants and how do you sequence that? Because Odell was able to basically keep everybody up until the tail end, I think after after Jimbo left. But we've already seen David Kelly go, and and you don't know any of the other ties or any of the opportunities because you know. Even though these guys are professional and they're going to make their calls and are going to stay on their recruits, they're also making calls and taking calls about future jobs because you don't know if you're going to be retained by the next guy or not. And watching that play out will then be the the second part of the conversation once the, the head coach conversation takes place. And unfortunately, it'll be the second time in three years we've we've kind of had to watch that. Yeah, I'm like everybody else. Let's just get there and figure it out and, and, and go from there. I, I think Odell is likely to still be on staff, and after that, I'm not really sure who else. Maybe Dugans. Well, I, I think the new coach would be well advised to keep some institutional knowledge, and obviously Odell is that. You know, when Coach Bowden came in. Yeah, that's why I say that. I mean, he's a guy that. You know, he, he knew that there was the need to, to keep a couple of folks around. Jim Gladden was one of them. He was a graduate assistant in 75, and Coach Bowden came in in 76 and, and hired him into a full-time position. Uh, and, and you know, there's just the need for some continuity there. Uh, anytime I hear about a coach – completely bringing in a new staff gives me pause gives me pause yeah and i think that yeah well and scott frost did that i think he literally brought everybody with him to nebraska so from the continuity side that's that's a good thing but i think institutional knowledge is helpful um now it might be a little I, different I for him because he he played at nebraska right right but. yeah i hadn't really thought about this i mean i you know if you get a defensive guy maybe bryles ends up staying I think the the chances are pretty slim overall that that happens, that he stays, which uh, he'll be fine. He'll land another job, and it won't be a big deal. And I hadn't processed, really hadn't thought about it, but from a from a buyout standpoint, Florida State's not going to be on the hook for, for Bryles and Clements because they're both going to get jobs. I mean, there may be a little bit difference, but you're not going to owe Bryles a million for the next two years because he'll find a job that's going to offset most of that, I would think. 
You and know, and if he brings Clements with him, same thing. You know, the other thing that's intriguing to me about Bryles, and I, I mean, I have not even had a sit-down, face-to-face conversation with Kendall. You've had the opportunity to do that in doing the the coordinator interviews for our pregame show on the on the network and the affiliates. I've not even had that conversation with him. But from the people I've talked to, yourself included, that have had that conversation, you know, there there is a train of thought that says that Florida State might want to keep him around, not at any cost, but that he's a viable candidate, depending on who you bring in and the age of who you bring in. But he's a viable candidate to be considered coach in waiting and maybe structure this a little differently, as, as Pat was talking about, so we are able to go – what was it, 40, 43 years between Bowden and Taggart, and Jimbo was kind of the negotiated coach in waiting, and, and you don't have to go through this fun. I don't know that anybody else believes that, but I do. I don't think you would force that to happen. If it happens because whoever you hire likes Bryles and wants to keep him on, uh, you wouldn't formally announce him as a coach in waiting at any point because they've changed the rules on that. Now you can't go out and recruit on the road if you're the head coach in well, waiting. Well, no, I'm I'm not saying you force it. I'm just saying you have that conversation with whoever you bring in. I think it, I, he's going to be a head coach. He That's would, my he, point. He was asked about it this That's week, That's my too. point. My, my, so my impressions, and I don't know Kendall well, but he likes talking ball. I mean, you've seen it in the coordinator interviews. Uh, and I said this at the start of the year. He reminds me of Jimbo from a, I want to talk X's and O's standpoint. Now, they're philosophically – Different X's, different, and O's. Different, different X's and O's, but they're every bit as, as confident in their offense when it's running right. Um, so, I mean, he, he's got a bright upside ahead. I, I just I don't know how we how we get there ultimately. Well, we'll just see who ends up being coach. Well, got to go one step, two step, three step. We do. All right, so we will uh, – I won't have to sit in your truck and record a first look show this week, huh? There's no game to react to. And we'll go ahead and tell our listeners that we, we you and I have some travel plans next weekend, next weekend weekend, so uh, Thanksgiving week. So we will probably tape a show and put it in the can a little earlier, and then uh, we'll just scramble like the Mad Hatters if a head coach is named during the Thanksgiving weekends and try to try to be a little fresher. I I really can't see a scenario where the Wednesday of Florida week, the day before Thanksgiving, they would announce a head coach. I wouldn't think so, but you never know. All right. Uh, I do know that we are out of time, so we will do this again next week. As Keith indicated, it uh, will be pre-recorded, uh, unless there's breaking news, in which case we'll scramble the show. Till then, folks, have a great week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.